Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick, live and in living colour in the studio. Great to have you back, mate. Thank you. Uh, and what did you make of uh, Rampage this week? Yet again, it was a 7 out of 10 show that I had a lot of fun watching for a mere hour of my time. Do I miss it being great? A bit. Mm-hmm. Is this something I can accept as just what Rampage is now? Yes, because it's always a lot of fun. This is one of my favourite rampages in recent memory, I have to say. A lot of good stuff on this show. A lot of memorable stuff. Maybe that's the difference. I I can't remember the last time I saw one that I thought, oh, it was a waste of my time. A complete waste of my time. It feels increasingly inessential. Very few actual main event level stars are on it. And when they are, it's usually Adam Cole just winning in four minutes to pad his record. But no, they are furthering storylines that are feeling more exclusive to Rampage at this point. And they are establishing that it's uh, it's the home for certain performers, which I'm into because I'm into all of those performers. It's fun. It's never going to have the same buzz or the same must-see vibe as Dynamite. That's not what was promised. Mm -hmm. So it is a little bit disappointing on that basis. But it's just a nice hour of bloody wrestling, isn't it? It's really going to increase the comparisons between Ricky Starks and The Rock by saying that this show is his show and all that. But I love it, yeah. Uh, And particularly enjoyed just heel Jericho really hitting his stride, I thought, on commentary on this show. Jericho is genuinely going very, very underrated as a commentator. And I'm not just referring to him doing it in character now as the influence of the big one, the last true genius or whatever. I think for a long time on Rampage. And again, it's gone unnoticed. I think it's really accentuated the quality of the show. There's a certain sequence that I'm going to put over in itself, but Jericho did such a magnificent job of making it seem as awesome as it was. Mm. I think there's a drinking game in this. you got things you have to do every time they get executed on uh, on Rampage. So, uh, you know... Drink when he's, when Mark Henry says his catchphrase, which we'll get to in later in later course. Um, 
but also drink whenever <laughs> Chris Jericho mentions the fact that the ring post is square and not round, because he seems to say that every single week when someone gets sent into them. Uh, anyway, the show started with uh, the two competitors already in the ring. It was Darby Allen versus The Butcher, uh, and a rare countout uh, to finish this, to, to give The Butcher a bit of protection. I really, really enjoyed watching it. I think it's one of those things where... You know, I've I've seen him in bits in, in in tag team matches in recent memory, but not vividly for quite some time. And this just reminded me why all of us in the office fell in love with with the butcher and the blade. Um, early on, he dominates because he's look at the size of him basically against Darby Allen. Uh, he knocks Darby Allen out of the ring, but eventually uh, he goes after him, or Allen, Allen manages to get the butcher butcher outside the ring and hits that bonkers dive through the ropes that seemingly kills him and his opponent at the same time. Uh, when we get back into the ring, Butcher hits a backbreaker for a near fall. Um, Darby Allen, I was going to say targets the hand, just bites it, just bites Butcher's hand, which is the same hand that you had to have a multitude of stitches in if you watch the uh, the little build that they put on the uh, YouTube channel, I believe. Certainly, I saw it on social media. Uh, but Butcher comes back with a clothesline to Darby Allen for a two count and then swings Darby Allen, I was going to say, by his ears. His neck, basically, is what's doing all the heavy lifting here. Kicks him out to the floor. Um, Butcher hits him with a lariat on the outside and goes face-to-face with Sting as we uh, go to a split-screen ad break. I've written this down here. I'm not sure if this is the exact moment it happened. But yeah, uh, obviously Chris Jericho, now the leader of the uh, Jericho Appreciation Society and all that that entails, particularly sports entertainment, yelling about how they should squash the young guys and Taz coming back with, spoken like a true sports entertainer there, was just fantastic. I don't want to miss that one out. Um, So we come back from the break. Darby Allen comes off the middle rope to drop kick, but Butchers brilliantly catches him and puts him in a Texas cloverleaf. It looks like Darby Allen's going to get out of it. But Butcher just picks him up and power bombs him and then goes right back in the cloverleaf you go. Uh, but then with Sting's encouragement, Darby Allen makes it to the ropes and escapes to the floor. Uh, when they're out there, um, Darby Allen gets sent into the ring post after getting out of a power bomb attempt. And Butcher does that thing where he picks up Allen and swings him into the, the side of the ring and the ring steps and the, the, the barricade and what have you. Uh, Darby Allen's propped up against the ring steps, but as Butcher charges in to hit him with a knee, Darby Allen moves out of the way, and uh, Butcher goes down after nailing the ring steps with his knee. Uh, That allows Darby Allen to hit code red on the outside, followed by a coffin drop from the top rope to the floor. Darby Allen gets back in, just beats the count. The Butcher does not, though, and Darby Allen is declared victorious. Post-match, kind of something or nothing, as we anticipated. The AFO, or specifically Andrade and Jose, the assistant, come out to numbers game, uh, Sting and Darby Allen. Uh, but in the midst of all this private party coming from behind to attack, and the Hardys run down to make the save, and Hardy challenges the AFO to get in the ring. Uh, but uh, Jericho, don't give them a free match. Save it. That's what sports entertainment is all about. Uh, eventually, Matt challenges Butcher and Blade in private party to face the Hardys, Darby Allen and Sting on Dynamite. I only wish the crowd was a little bit more into it. Mm. On a general level, I think this is a byproduct of such a stacked roster in the way in which Tony Khan has like really like aggressively expanded it. Because it used to be, before this wave upon wave of big-name signings and surprises and all the rest of it. And again, I go back to February 2020 quite a lot. When there wasn't so many huge names on the roster, 
like the fans were, I think, more inclined to start really getting behind. Like some of the younger guys are the more unknown names, and I guess that AEW is probably more of a novelty at this point. And I think the byproduct of the of the roster expansion is that when you see the butcher, who was awesome in this match, in the match against Darby Allen, where it's not much behind it, it's building towards something else, and he's not one of the stars of the show. Rampage is taped deep into the night. It just feels like certain things, and I can't blame the crowd too much. They haven't been conditioned to receive the Butcher as a star. They've seen a lot of star power literally in the minutes and hours prior to this. It just it was a shame more than anything, the reaction, because I thought this match was so great. Mm. And I think had it unfolded like on a dynamite or with less with less of their crowd's attention sort of demanded elsewhere mm. this would have been like a really nice secret gem oh, of yeah. match but again it just felt like a dark elevation backdrop to like a sleeper dynamite hit of a match mm. if that makes any sense because the work was so good here Darby Allen's one of the best professional wrestlers in the world and I know a lot of people have personal issues with him I do to an extent but how good he is at his craft is legitimately undeniable at this point like if you're a professional wrestler, and this is one of the reasons why Darby's so great at his craft, if you are told by Tony Khan you're working with Darby Allen tonight, you must be rubbing your hands <laughs> in glee because of how awesome you look constantly mm. when you're in the opposite corner to him. He's so good, I can only imagine, as an opponent. The Butcher at various points looked like he was taking his head off with Larry. It's a monster, didn't he? Yeah. He looked like an absolute beast. His physical transformation put that over, but a lot of it was Darby. A lot of it was Butcher just being excellent at what he does as well. Um, this looked way more dangerous than it was. I watched it really carefully, and it just goes to show how good Butcher himself is at his craft. Um, because if you are ragdolling around someone like that, you see a lot of things that seem innocuous, but they really hurt people if you can't do this kind of style mm-hmm. correctly. You just basically monstered them the most safe and effective way possible. Such an excellent performance from both men. What I loved about it as well is like, look at the size difference. How on earth did they get away with crafting a match where the comebacks felt earned and it didn't <laughs> yeah. feel like a ridiculously unconvincing, unfair fight? Even the suicide dive spot where Darby, and I hate this expression, but you kind of have to use it when it's earned and warranted, didn't get all of it. That's fine. That wasn't even his big comeback. He was mm. just sort of fighting for his life. I, Jericho I, covered it nicely as well on commentary, absolutely. saying what well, he directed his head into the barricade, basically. Yeah, absolutely. So it just worked in the context of the match. I don't know if they built the rest of it around it, or if it was just a happy accident or whatever, but it just felt like it was immune to certain like gnarly bits, a few flaws. It just worked in favor of the dynamic perfectly. The cloverly spot was great. Again, that's why you work. That's why they must love working with Darby. Mm. You can do your coolest stuff against effectively a crash test dummy <laughs> and a crash test dummy who can sort of draw immense sympathy from the crowd. Uh, the cold red butcher got himself well up for that as well. This is just such a fun blast, but it didn't really feel as fun as it could have because that crowd was exhausted and they yeah. don't really see someone like the butcher as a star. And the finish I thought was tremendous. I will happily allow a non-pinfall or a non-submission finish as long as it matters to the story, makes sense in terms of the characters, and doesn't feel like a cop-out. What happened is that Darby Allen won a match by performing a really risky move that paid off, and he didn't pin the Butcher, but that doesn't matter because he subdued him long enough. A non-finish is 
they wanted to accuse someone because they just want to preserve the story and not do anything on mm-hmm. that night because they've got something else to do. That's why I hated DQ. A good countout is different, mm. and this was the best contextual use of a countdown I can remember in some time. Can you remember when Darby Allen had a match with Billy Gunn? Or oh yeah, it was yeah it was Darby Allen versus Billy Gunn on Rampage, and I think he pinned him, and it was like ah oh, it doesn't really work. This worked like majestically well in contrast to that. Particularly if you're trying to sell a what four on four match featuring these two guys, and yeah, yeah butchers understand that we're going to want to get revenge and say, well, you never actually pinned me. You just sort of hit me with your big move, but on the outside, on the floor. So, yeah, it made a lot of sense, this. Uh, this was when we cut backstage to a promo from American top team. There's TNT champion Scorpio Sky and co-TNT champion Dan Lambert. For those of you wondering, uh, considering how pissed off I got with Sammy Guevara having two belts, completely fine with this. Dan Lambert wearing the secondary, the interim TNT championship and calling himself a co-TNT champion. Thumbs up from me. Such a good heel bit. Sorry, just didn't yeah. your flow there because this is a guy who's been effectively saying things along the lines of cosplay wrestlers. Not like saying it directly, but we know what he's trying to imply. So the fact that he's claiming to be a champion when he doesn't consider any of this roster apart from his guys like true champions or athletes is just good delusional heel work. Yeah, do you, do you ever get that thing where sometimes that you are... Because you're a fan of something, you're willing it to maybe be better than it is or just reading maybe too much into it. So I saw, I tweeted the picture of of the three of them cutting this promo, right? And on it, I'll get it up for on here for you now, uh, Sige. On it, uh, you can see Dan Lambert doing the, the little loser sign. Um, the problem is, he's doing the loser sign to himself. The L's the wrong way around. Is it too much for me to think... He's thought that through, and, and then people will go, ah, you knobhead, you've done the loser thing the wrong way oh, around. Why I? Why I? It's one of those where it works either way, anyway. Exactly. Uh, anyway, Sky talks about uh, he defended his title against Wardlow, but all he's heard since then are excuses, and losers make excuses. He just makes history, and Dan Lambert backs him up and says, you're not the only one. Paige Van Zandt made history, uh, signing the contract uh, on the corpse of Tay Conti, basically, and that wasn't just making history because it's the first time a contract has contracted an STD. I could do without that. She's in a monogamous relationship with Sammy Guevara, and boy, do I know that because I've had to (laughs) unfollow the pair of them on Twitter for how insufferable it is. Um, Yeah, so why is a woman who's in a monogamous relationship with a bloke, um, why has she got an STD? The implication of which is that she's a massive whore who gets around. Yeah. Anyway, Paige Van Zandt recovers this because uh, she says she looks better than any woman can, she fights better than any man can, and she's got more money than the Federal Reserve. It's time to jump on the Paige Van Zandt train or get run over. Her entire... The only thing that we don't know that she has in her pro wrestling package is the in-ring. If she's half as good in the ring as she is at delivering promos, uh, working in angles, generally conducting herself and carrying herself like a star, then this could be an absolutely incredible performer that AEW has on its hands. Um, She's an athlete. I don't know much at all about mixed martial arts and UFC. I know that she wasn't particularly good at it. but Yeah, she was at best probably like a top 10. Right. But the thing about... I hesitate to say real athlete. I will instead say athletes from more accepted sporting backgrounds. Yes. 
they generally make for like incredible professional wrestlers because if you have to make it to the top level, and again, I'm not saying Paige Van Sant did, but to even approach like a proper major league mm. in an accepted real combat sport or even a real contact sport, like look at Pat McAfee. What an athlete he is, and he's not really famed for a role that requires it. Mm. Um, she'll be amazing, I suspect. No, I, I have no doubt of that. Yeah, I, I think yeah, the, the the issue is always, like you say, if you if you're transferring over physically, you, you're fine. All right, maybe as we saw a bit sometimes with UFC people because they've been told, oh, please don't go 100 percent on these punches. They pull it a little bit and make it a little bit obvious, but I think it's or, or half the time you're just like, oh, can you talk? Can you can you really pull this off? Whatever, whether it's scripted or non-scripted, whatever you want to do, and uh, yeah, she's just been a heat magnet from day one, and uh, her match with I'm really excited to see what her and Take Onto can do together. Even if she's more Junior Dos Santos than Ronda Rousey, it would still be great because Junior Dos Santos, he's still some of the punches were terrible, but he had mm. such a force of personality. And like he just carried himself like an athlete and mm. a star, so it should work out very well. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Then we got uh, Red Velvet versus Layla Hirsch. And God bless the United States. Uh, the fight starts on the floor as uh, Red Velvet's making her uh, entrance. Uh, Hirsch goes after her, but Red, Red Velvet suplexes her on the ramp. Uh, we get in the ring. Red Velvet hits that standing moonsault of hers. That gets a near fall. 
Um, body shots to Hirsch, but when she puts her up in the corner for the 10 punches, uh, Hirsch slips out and yanks her down to take control as we go to a commercial break. When we come back, uh, Bulldog gets a velvet and near fall as she regains control, goes to that spinning kick, but Hirsch, in that insane strength of hers, chucks her from powerbomb position into sort of an overhead suplex. Uh, then she hits a German suplex, sets her up for the cross-arm breaker, but Velvet just gets her legs onto the uh, bottom rope to break it up. Uh, Hirsch goes to that diving knee against the ropes, but Velvet ducks, and Hirsch goes to the outside. But as the referee's busy with Red Velvet, Hirsch goes under the ring to grab that turnbuckle wrench thing that she's using to clock her opponents. Uh, she goes to take it in the ring, but before she can do that, Chris Statlander appears, grabs it from her. That distracts her. Hirsch turns around into that brutal-looking spin kick of Red Velvet's one, two, three, and a, a tease, let's just say, Sige, of the new non-alien Chris Statlander. Aye, I feel like they're going to run it back between uh, Statlander and Hirsch. That seems like the obvious direction. This match was sort of a functional way of setting that up. Beyond one pretty terrifying moment of Red Velvet under-rotating, mm. where I think even Chris Jericho was like, Jesus Christ, what a lucky escape that was. And I think Jericho at one point had to like commend her for the Stan and Moonsault by saying something to the effect of, oh, that was really good by her standards because she usually... like Red Velvet's a little bit terrifying, to be honest. Yes. Uh, this is one of our less terrifying um, matches, but they're still at that moment where it's like, work to your ability. Mm -hmm. Because especially in a sport with uh, the scope for, scope for danger as pro wrestling, if you do not do that, and if you're not discouraged from doing that, then she's had a lot of narrow, lucky mm. escapes as Red Velvet. That mostly she worked to her ability in this match. I really like the beginning. They, it's hard to sort of receive this as a big blood feud. But, you know, they did a good job of trying to put across, look, you might not receive it as a blood feud or this epic thing where we both detest each other, but we are trying to perform mm. as if we do. So I thought the tone was better than the quality of the match, which is mostly just there. Um, but I commend them for the effort to tell the story. A real electrifying starting mm. um, sequence. But otherwise, it was just kind of there. Um, again, Red Velvet. She's so good at the fire, the struggle, like the tone of a pro wrestling match. And more often than not, it's the, like the ambitious execution mm. that lets her down. I think someone should pull her aside and say, stop doing some of your spots that often don't go very well because you've got something. Oh, without question. When she emotes, she has something that other people don't. So she's still a work in progress, but I'd like to see her do less things that scare me. And she hasn't been doing, uh, Chris Statlander this is, she hasn't been doing a lot of the alien shtick. She certainly, I've not seen her boop anyone for about a year now. But it's nice to just get that clean break, you know, new gear, a different, a different side of Statlander perhaps. I think if nothing else, right, as you said, she hasn't booped anyone for a year. The last time she was sort of, the last time she basically did an alien thing was when they did, was it the Toy Story thing from? Yes. Yeah. That was the last time they... And clobbered yeah, Vanilla before was that... Absolutely awesome. That's the last time they've really leaned in on it. If nothing else, when a wrestler gets a new look, new gear, I mean, they're all, like, they all just love wearing new gear. Yes. None of them have a colour scheme <laughs> that they stick to. It kind of annoys me a little bit. Even uh, the acclaimed call that Keith Lee, didn't they? It's like, all colour gear, that. Yeah, like, they always just never stick to a scheme. They never market themselves. They all just enjoy having their gear made. And that kind of annoys me to a degree. <laughs> if, if you are more disciplined mm -hmm. with your attire choices, when you do put on an away kit, as it were, it just 
makes it look that much more awesome. So I'd like to see more wrestlers exercise discipline with their gear. Regardless, that's an incidental point. What I'm getting at is that, if nothing else, she was never really an alien. I know she was billed from it, but it just it was one of those where it's like she was, but she's not. No one knows her. No one takes her seriously as an alien. We if, said she's not flying down in a spaceship. Yeah. If nothing else, a striking change in aesthetic. It's not like a character shift, but it does allow fans to potentially invest in the performer, knowing that if she's gone to these efforts, it's more like a visual cue that this person's going to get the push, and it just allows you to invest mm. in the same way as like when Chris Jericho's physically reinvented himself to a dramatic level of late. You know they've got big plans for exactly. the Jericho Appreciation Society, and you can invest in it accordingly. So that's that's what I'm interpreting from this attitude visual change. Yeah, it's not. She hasn't like sort of decided to just be a citizen of Earth. Mm. She is going to get the rocket trapped to her, and she absolutely deserves it. She's class. QT Marshall's cutting a promo backstage. Uh, he talks about everyone seeing what Hook did to him uh, at Revolution, uh, and his, his mom called him upset at what Hook did to him, but he was actually proud of one of his students, uh, and he talks about going to the same school as the boss, Bruce, Bruce Springsteen, to which Solo has no idea about. It's one of those things. We talked about this in the office, actually. When someone goes, well, it was before I was born. Well, Beatles before I was born, but I know who they are. Yeah, it's a bit silly, that. Uh, but, it, uh, you know, they're heels, so I'll allow it. Uh, and Marshall announced, uh, here's, your, here's your sports entertainment, he is going to give out, live on Rampage next week to Hook, the QT Marshall Certificate of Accomplishment. Obviously, we'll preview this on Friday, but uh, this got me giddy with excitement. <laughs> It did. I know what, for once, I'm not going to be a total mark and just be giddy about all my thoughts. I'm going to save what I think should happen on the Rampage oh. preview. So I've got an idea of what they should do with this angle. Okay. Well, I think one thing that helped us remain giddy was the squash match oh that God. came next. It was the House of Black. Uh, Black. Actually, I'm retiring the voice because I'm in love with this act again. Yeah, I, I, I've said this before. Uh, the, when the bell rings, all on board with this. Uh, and then Penta Oscuro and Alex Abrahamis came after us, and I was like, that's what I didn't like about it. So I think Death Triangle, the lame part about this. Yeah. The House of Black have been cool all along. It's Death Triangle or the lame bit. Uh, so it's Fuego del Sol and Bear Country taking on the House of Black. Uh, Malachi Black starts it out representing his team against Bear Bronson and kicks the legs out from underneath him and uh, hits a knee strike to Bear Boulder. Um, Buddy Murphy goes after Bronson. Brody King comes in with a senton. Uh, my favorite bit. Fuego del Sol, he got some a tiny bit of offense in earlier, and he ducks underneath, I think, a clothesline or something, and goes to hit a dive off the top, to which Brody King just watches him down onto his elbow, basically, like I just did with the microphone <laughs> there. Uh, if we see Bear Boulder, after the other two members have been taken out, think, I can take these three. He can't. They all just hit a brutal series of kicks and stomps, and uh, you just take his head off, basically. Um Del Sol, Del Sol comes back in and starts to dominate the House of Black for about 10 seconds. Uh, top rope drop kick on Brody King, uh, but eventually he just gets nailed by, I think it was uh, Buddy Matthews who, who just hit him with a knee. Um, in the midst of all this, uh, Malachi Black does a top rope moonsault to the floor to one of the uh, members of Bear Country and uh, Brody King dives through the ropes onto the other and Murphy hits a tornado high angle slam which just looked perfect and the pink made it really catch your eyes in Fuego Del Sol's gear uh, one, two, three total squash but a banker of that Dow watches four times 
<laughs> I legitimately watched this four times. This is absolutely incredible. If you've not watched Rampage this week, go out of your way to watch this squash match because it was an actually great squash match. They're a genre under themselves. They're not just these things that I get the gist. It's not a classic back and forth match. So you, no, it's an art to the squash match. And this completely embodied the greatness of a squash match. The idea when you're putting um, a wrestler or an act in a squash match, you want them to look like they are absolutely invincible in a one-sided victory. And they did this, but they did a little majestic tweak on it. The idea that, right, they killed the uh, Bronsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bronson's better Boulder, country. Yeah, Boulder, yeah. And, Boulder and Bronson. Yes, Boulder and Bronson killed them, which was great because they are absolutely massive dudes who stood no chance. Fuego had the fire. He had a little bit of passion. He had a little bit of resolve. He had a little bit of balls. And he decided to take the fight at the House of Black. I love the idea that not only are they kind of invincible to begin with, but when you dare challenge their power, they find a new level of being complete badasses. This finishing sequence, it honestly, it felt like you know, 3D cinema mm. when stuff pops out at you as a visual special effect. That's what this finishing sequence felt like. Brody King flying out the screen. It was almost like right in your face. Then the camera switched to watch Malachi Black do it to then cut straight back seamless to Buddy Matthews doing like a triumph. Obviously, it benefited from being taped, but a triumph of production. It yeah. made it feel like these guys were so dominant. and They could, even the big lad can just get you when he wants and just explode out of the ring. You are absolutely knackered. The whole idea is with the squash match, you're meant to convey complete dominance. You are knackered. Whatever you try to do, whether you try to do anything, or whether you just cower in defeat, if you dare make a comeback, you're even more knackered. This was an absolutely incredible finishing sequence. And I need to put over Chris Jericho. He was going wild at the desk. And that's what's so good about Chris Jericho on Rampage. This is a man who's been in the business for 30 years. He's, you know, the cliche, he's seen it all. He's kind of done it all as well. It should theoretically take a lot to impress mm. a Chris Jericho, and yet he is so liberal with his praise and the fact that we know how long he's been in the industry. We know that he has a pretty, frankly, high opinion of himself. For him to put things over as if I couldn't do that or that's mm. amazed even me who's seen everything, it just adds such authority to the awesomeness that you've just watched, and he was going crazy for this finishing mm. sequence. And again, it just adds authority to what he's watching, and I think after a pretty piss-poor start where he wouldn't shut up, he wouldn't be quiet. In fact, he got louder the more he was getting complaints about how loud he was, which just felt a bit obnoxious. He's really settled into his groove mm. as the guy. It's like Shivani, but in a different way. Shivani marking out is really endearing because... He's just like, he's the old school guy who can like the new school as well. Jericho is the guy who's worked countless classic matches and countless great things, and even he's still impressed. Mm. I think and the one thing I would add to that is the, with the Fuego del Sol stuff, as a, a fan of a crap football team, there's a, a, a very famous phrase, it's the hope that kills you. And that's what I got from Fuego being like, oh my God. I've got, I'm, I'm faster than them. Here I come up the top row. Oh, my God, I've had my head taken off. The physical timing on that V-trigger, which is essentially what it is. Let's, it's Buddy Matthews. He's a bit like Kenny Omega. But 
The fact that he doesn't disgrace... Like he's eating Kenny Omega. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that he doesn't disgrace the comparison says a lot about how good he is or could be. The, the, the physical timing of that. It's one of those where it's like, oh, have you just broken your nose? No, that makes the move even more yeah. awesome. Uh, and then there was the, the bad side of things, but that came from Death Triangle because there's Penta Oscuro and Alex Abrahantes cutting a promo in a red shed or something. Oh. Um, he said, thank you for changing... Uh, Penta talks, and then Alex translates, thank you for changing us. Uh, darkness is where Penta feels most alive. Uh, Death Triangle is inevitable. Zero Miedo. I hate all this. I hate it all. Um, I absolutely <laughs> hate it all. Not least of which... Because Penta Oscuro sucked, not just in the attire. <laughs> like he's, he's amazing in the ring. The Revolution buy-in was great. Yep. I, don't, I shouldn't have to state these things again. But the character in the fiction of all elite wrestling sucks. I can't take him seriously. He doesn't really work. He doesn't break anyone's arms. He doesn't work in a more vicious style than the normal Penta. He's lost pretty much everything I've seen him do on television, where it matters at least. Mm-hmm. He's a loser. It doesn't work any different. The only thing that's fundamentally changed since he's taken the black mist to the face was that his manager's become exponentially more of a dork. He was already a dork. Mm. He was already overplaying his part. Looked like he was just delighted to be on telly to the absolute detriment of how cool Death Triangle used to be, and it's absolutely past tense at this point. Would this have worked? Could I have put aside my complaints about the ultra-goofy presentation. <laughs> Abraham is genuinely, it borders a little bit on the unprofessional because he's just trying to get himself over. He wants to look cool on telly at, at this point. And I just think it's a terrible look because Penn has never, ever seen this lame in his entire career. And what's the... What's the difference? I know what the difference is. He stood there in a Halloween costume right <laughs> in front of me. Would I have, and I'm asking myself this, a different opinion on the Pentoscuro character, if in fact, because this is all quite rushed and a lot of things are happening in the storyline. Oh, I've missed it here. Oh, I'm bringing back my Lucha Underground character, whatever the hell it's from or whatever. It's got no resonance because Pentoscuro in character, in fiction, in the storyline, is a loser who loses all the time. Mm. If this went on longer and Pentoscuro was like racking up wins and just killing people on Dynamite and Rampage, all the while the House of Black are showing a little bit of fear as if to say, what have we created? Mm. Like, should we have misted this guy? Like, we should be selling fear. It's just so rushed. It's such a mess. It looks so goofy. I still think I would hate the presentation if they paced this much better, presented Penta Oscuro as a threat and not just Penta, who loses more often than he wins, but with a different name. This is genuinely rubbish. I, like, it's I, terrible booking. Great action, terrible booking. Exactly, and I think I think you you maybe have give it a bit more leeway uh, if that the, the thing you suggested there would have happened. But there's still going to be po- Alex Abrahantes there dressing like that. He wasn't misted, was he? So why has he just suddenly become this weirdo? <laughs> I, don't I just know. think he's not a particular good performer for this role. If you cast him, it's like a mid card geek whose charge is like a delusional heel. He's probably got a role to play. He's got a good voice, obviously, mm. as a commentator. He's got a good TV presence to a degree. He looks like... It's not like Brooke Hogan or someone... or like It's not like someone who's rabbit lost in headlights. Mm. The guy's clearly confident, too confident. I just think he's... The very nicest thing I can say about a character that I hate is that he's woefully miscast. <laughs> <laughs> well, main event came next. It was uh, Max Lacaster versus Keith Lee in the, uh, in the back and forth. 
<laughs> Anthony Bowen said to Keith Lee, he was a uh, Henry VIII, King Henry VIII sounding ass. Uh, Twix Matchcaster responded, yeah, go back to the Renaissance Fair, bitch. Uh, and Keith Lee said, listen, gentlemen, <laughs> let us make something clear. I do not dislike you. I actually am a fan, and I appreciate what you have done to this company. I uh, even appreciate you calling me a king just now, as you should. The reality is this, that when you step in the ring with an entity like me, you're going to learn a lesson that will be very painful, so prepare yourself. At the end of the day, the acclaimed are just a stepping stone for me. Come and bask in my glory. The king as you should thing was a really good line. Mm. A really, really good line. Like, he's so good at appearing confident without... Making you think he's a dickhead baby face. Mm. I'm coming around on Keith Lee. I'm thinking it's because of his promo style. <laughs> I think it's because of your impression. Quite possibly. But he's got a way of the one-liner, like the as you should thing. Mm. The uh, my back is plenty big enough. He didn't even, well, like when he said he lay, left uh, Ricky Starks laying on his back like a bitch on uh, Dynamite this week. So he's got a way with a soundbite and the one-liner. Almost like the baby face Miro. Ooh. And imagine that much. Oh, goodness me. Um, I miss Miro. Yeah. he's. I've pitched as him to be the one to take the Scorpio Skies title. Come back, win it. And then him versus Keith Lee for the team. Oh, but he's still my beating heart. Anyway, go on, Mark. Well, looks like we've had enough talk. It's time for the main. I can't tell you how happy I was when it was like acclaimed stuff, Keith Lee spoken word bit. Mark Henry says the thing, and then we get the acclaim coming out saying Keith Lee's going to be running like Ted Cruz in a snowstorm, and fans are going to have to remember him like the Alamo. Good stuff here from Max Caster, I thought. Uh, of course, in the match itself, Lee dominates with power because, of course, he does. Look at him, but again, reminds us the incredible agility and speed that he's got to do that drop down leapfrog thing, and uh, then just grabs. Um, Castor and hits him with an overhead belly-to-belly suplex. He's just a freak of nature. Um, in the break, in the picture-in-picture, picture, we saw that uh, Max Castor caught Lee coming in, in the ring with a top-rope drop kick. Uh, and when we come back, he's got him in a chin lock, uh, but Lee powers out of it and then hits that brilliant pounce of his. Uh, he hits an avalanche in the corner and a beal across the ring. Caster does hit a super kick and tries to pick Lee up for the fireman's carry. That doesn't work, though, and Lee just easily... No bother at all. Picks up Caster. Fireman's carry. Spins him round into the big bang catastrophe. One, two, three. Post-match, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, who'd walked out on the stage during the match, and Ricky Starks, who'd been well, slacking off Keith Lee on commentary for the most part, run down. They attack Lee. The acclaimed get involved as well, using the boom box. Uh, but who should run down to make the save? But uh, Shane Swerve Strickland, who... Legs it down to the ring with a steel chair. Saves Keith Lee from Team Taz. Uh, and then there's a nice moment between the two of them standing tall as the show goes off the air. Really excited about literally every permutation of this Swerve, Keith Lee, uh, Team Taz deal. They do such a tremendous job of making it look like you literally cannot do anything to Keith Lee. They are so good at booking big men. Um, he looks like you can't lift them up. He'll shrug off your strikes. He'll catch your aerials. He will leapfrog over your rope runs. And it was a little bit higher than it was against Asaya Casti as well, which makes me think that he's really putting in the hours to like go a little bit back to like your 2017, mm-hmm. 20, like 16 Keith Lee. Um, but even if it's even if those days are unrecoverable, 
this monster version who you cannot do anything to, which he embodies so well in the matches themselves, is awesome. What I love most about it is that he's so good at appearing like you cannot shift him, you cannot budge him, let alone beat him. It's that when he has a competitive match against Powerhouse Hobbs, which at this point I can't wait for, oh. Powerhouse Hobbs is going to get over just by doing moves against him. Mm, that spine you, buster. Yeah, that's how you build a monster. So I expect Keith Lee to win that match in that program, but Powerhouse Hobbs will lose nothing from it. Everyone will have loads of fun because I expect it to be excellent. And again, in these small, not blow away great, but very accomplished, glorified squash matches, Keith Lee, like the, the standing overhead suplex thing, it's class. It's like you can throw people in row Z if you want Yeah. To. Like effortless is the word, and when he looks like he needs to put some effort in, everyone will get over that he works with because they are doing this little brick by brick work in the meantime. Excellent booking, and the casualties of Swear versus Ricky Starks, which is going to be a banger how cool as well. that would be. Like one of the cool, like one of the coolest dynamics, like inventive, but like in terms of just the characters involved, it just feel like such a cool. Match. Mm. Yeah, another great episode of AEW Rampage in the books. Then let us know your thoughts on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. And uh, you can get his book, Becoming All Elite, on Amazon right now, The Rise of AEW. And whilst I remember, uh, you can get your hands on our beer that we have made. Yeah. Clickbait thumbnail. What a great name that was. Who came up with that? I don't know. I can't remember. It was me. Oh, it was you. Yeah, that was right. Uh, clickbait thumbnail, our very own 5.1% uh, YPA. See what we did there, uh, which pairs beautifully with the fucking Fiend versus Goldberg, apparently. Uh, you can get that along with nine other delicious beers for the low, low price. Unfortunately, this only really applies to our European listeners. But nevertheless, uh, £45, free shipping if you enter the code Here's Why for 10 delicious Top Rope Brewing beers. All you need to do is head to topropebrewing.com and there's a What Culture WrestleMania bundle. You can order that now uh, and it will be with you with uh, more than enough time to go till WrestleMania, because that's, well, if I actually look at the calendar, that's over. No, dude. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. I've uh, got the SmackDown review available right now, and myself and Sid will be back to preview Monday Night Raw a little bit later on today. But for now, this has been the Rampage Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.